Okay, we'll start with a question. Anybody know in here, in the middle sections, can anybody tell me who Steve Jobs is? Tints of that maybe need to be corrected. Yes, Grant. Sorry, you love singing, so I know your name. He founded Apple. Yes, the late Steve Jobs. He passed away, oh man, it's uh, coming up on 10 years, I think, or more than that, that he passed away. But Steve Jobs uh, was the founder of Apple. He's like the Bill Gates on the Apple side, Bill Gates being the guy who started and runs Microsoft. Um, so the iPhone that hopefully you've tucked away in a bag or in your pocket on airplane mode or silent, that iPhone was the creation of Steve Jobs, essentially. Um, and it was under Steve Jobs' leadership that Apple took over the world the way that it did. There's a journalist named Nick Bilton, and uh, several years ago, he wrote a story, an article for the New York Times, and he talked about a conversation that he had with Steve Jobs before he passed away, obviously. And uh, they had been talking about something else, but to try to change the subject, this journalist asked Steve Jobs, uh, so your kids must love the iPad. So the iPad had just come out. He asked Steve Jobs, your kids must love the iPad. And here's what Steve Jobs told him. He said, they haven't used it. And he went on to say, we limit how much technology our kids use at home. They haven't used it, Steve Jobs said of his own kids. We limit how much technology our kids use at home. I don't know what your reaction is to that, um, but this was the journalist's reaction. He said, um, I'm sure I responded with a gasp. I didn't hear any gasps in here. Uh, or a dumbfounded silence. And he said, I had, had imagined that the Jobs household was like a nerd's paradise, that the walls were giant touchscreens, the dining table was made from tiles of iPads, and that iPods were handed out to guests like chocolates on pillows. Nope, Mr. Jobs told me, not even close. So I've known about this article for a while, known that this was Mr. Jobs' view on technology and uh, what he allowed and didn't allow for his own kids. But still, even though I've known about it for a while, every time I, I come back to this and I think about this, I am... I'm pretty shocked that this was his attitude towards technology and towards devices. Maybe it has the same effect on you. And if nothing else, when I think about this, it makes me stop and think. And that's really, if I had to pinpoint a goal for this weekend, I think my first goal is for everybody that's here, all of you and for myself, to just, just to stop and think about what it is that we are doing with all of our devices and all of our technology and all of our time on social media, to think about it, and particularly to think in a few ways, and we'll come back to this over the course of today and tomorrow. Obviously, we want to we think biblically, so we want to allow the, the Bible to shape our thoughts and to think the way that God thinks, and then to use the Bible as our guide as we try to tackle some of these difficult questions. So uh, we're going to try as much as possible uh, to keep reminding ourselves of Bible verses and Bible stories and Bible principles. Um, we will not be studying the Bible as closely, I just didn't say closely, uh, in a typical Bible study or sermon, there probably would be more reading of Scripture and, and kind of going through 
the text. Uh, there won't be as much of that maybe this weekend, but we are still going to root all of our ideas in Scripture because that is crucial. And we also want to think wisely. Uh, we want to be wise people. More on that in just a second. But part of the way that we're going to pursue wisdom this weekend is actually by looking at what people like Steve Jobs have to say. Right? Um, the Bible is the ultimate source of wisdom and instruction from God, but there are people in the world that have learned some things, and we want to learn from the wisdom that's out there and kind of notice what people have studied about these things, the research that's been done, uh, to try to learn some wisdom from that, and I will say, just to use our common sense. We want to be wise thinkers in the way that we handle these things. And of course, we want to be honest. Um, I'll start with some honesty. This, is very, this stuff is very difficult for me. Um, basically, all of my adult life, I've had a smartphone, uh, constant access to internet, um, uh, was on social media for a while, and for the majority, if not all of that time, uh, since college basically, uh, these things have been hard for me. And I've struggled to uh, be in control and to uh, resist the temptations or to not allow these things to have control over my life. Um, this has been a struggle. One of the reasons why I feel so strongly about these lessons and these topics is because it's, it's important for me and it's been helpful for me. And I hope that it'll be helpful for you, but it's only gonna be helpful if we can all be honest with ourselves, okay? Uh, and, and look in the mirror, so to speak, and be self-critical and think, what am I struggling with? Is this a problem for me? And what do I need to do about that? So I hope that we can think this weekend, think together and think biblically, think wisely and think honestly. Here's the plan for today, at least. Um, these first two lessons, I think, are going to sound fairly negative. I'm not really going to apologize for that, uh, but I do want to just warn you about that. These first two lessons uh, at 10 o'clock and 11 are going to probably sound fairly negative. Um, the afternoon session today at 1.30, we're going to try to talk about what we can be doing, so the positive things that can be done on social media. Um, and I wanted to hear from you largely in that session. Um, but the warnings that we're going to talk about now and in the next lesson come from some language that Paul uses in the book of 1 Corinthians. I want you to pay attention to this because Paul does this twice. The first place is in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And uh, you can see it in your Bible, but I'll also show this one to you on the screen. By the way, not all the verses will be on the screen, so definitely use your Bible, follow along. Some things I have put up on the screen because we want to highlight them. Um, and uh, yeah, so use your, I'm love to hear, I don't hear turning of pages much anymore. You know, you can't hear the scrolling on uh, phones and, and tablets, you know. Uh, so it's nice to hear the, the, scroll, the turning of pages here. But twice in 1 Corinthians, the first time here in chapter 6, Paul says this, maybe a little bit confusing, we'll try to explain it. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. Uh, your translation may something, say something a little different. Uh, it may say, not all things are expedient, that's not as clear. Not all things are beneficial, not all things are helpful. Uh, what Paul's doing here is that the people he's writing to, the Corinthians, they are trying to say, well, you know, because I'm a Christian, I can do X, Y, and Z, right? Now, that's not really true, okay? In this passage, he's talking specifically about sexual immorality. 
And Christians are supposed to resist sexual immorality and keep their lives pure. But Paul is kind of going a different direction here with his argument. And he's saying, okay, well, even if something is lawful, even if it's true that, hey, I can, I'm allowed to do this, that doesn't mean it's a good thing to do. It doesn't mean it's profitable. It doesn't mean that it's, it's helpful or that it's, it's good. Uh, to me, this is critical, not only with this discussion, but with a lot of things that we face in our life. Have you ever asked a question or heard someone ask the question, is it a sin to fill in the blank? Anybody ever heard that question asked? Is it a sin to fill in the blank? You know, whatever it is. I'm going to suggest to you that if that's, if that's the only question we're asking, then we're not doing enough. Okay. The mature Christian, I think that's what Paul is doing here, he pushes us farther than just saying, well, is it, is it a sin to? Because I think you know as well as I do. If I'm asking the question, is it a sin to? What if the answer's no? Then what am I probably going to do? I'm going to do that thing because, hey, it's not a sin. It's not wrong, I'm going to, so I'm going to do it. The mature Christian instead asks things like, is it profitable? Is it good for me? Is it helpful? Is it wise? Is it the best thing to do? Because here's the thing. If we're living as wise men and women, then we're always going to do what's right. Okay? That's not going to be an issue. Because when you live by wisdom, you live in the fear of the Lord, you do the right thing. Okay? But it is possible to do something that's not a sin, but it is destructive. Um, it's not good for us, and it harms us or harms other people in some way. And maybe we'll see examples of that as we go. But this is a critical idea to get in our, our brains. What we're asking this weekend is not, is it a sin to be on social media? Okay. Is it a sin to have a smartphone? Okay. We're not asking those kinds of questions this weekend. We're asking, is it wise to be on social media or to use my smartphone in this way or that way or, you know, whatever the topic is that we're talking about. Is it wise? Is it the best thing? Is it really good for me? And for this lesson, we want to look at the follow-up statement. You see it there in your Bible, uh, there in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, if you have it open. But Paul, uh, here in chapter 6, follows up this statement with a little bit a more specific instruction. He says, again, same kind of thing, even if all things are lawful for me as a Christian, Paul says, I will not be mastered by anything. So even if it's not a sin, Paul says, I'm not going to allow something to have control over me or to master me or to dominate me. That's what Paul says, and that's what we're going to talk about in this first session as we talk about screens, devices. This is big screens and little screens, okay? Um, so from smartphones to computers to video games to TV, all that stuff uh, included here. Uh, but we want to talk about screens and we want to talk about the effect that they have on us. Okay, let me stop here and say thank you for being here. Um, it, it really is cool to see so many uh, younger people and some not so young people here as well to learn about this. Um, it says to me that you're interested in it. I know on a Saturday you could be doing any number of things, but the fact that you're here says a lot, so thank you. Um, this is intended to be a conversation of sorts, okay? 
It may not feel like it in this first lesson, okay? but in, this next, in the second lesson, and especially in this afternoon's lesson, I want to hear from you. Um, and you will notice on the first slide and the last slide of every presentation, there is now a QR code. I did not come up with a QR code. I don't know how to do that. Okay? Um, I, I can't even get one up on my phone. Okay? But uh, you know how to do that. And so there's a QR code and a URL. Um, and so in between sessions, if you have a question that you want to hear me address at some point, you can go on to that uh, Google form and type in a question. I want to hear from you that way. And I would love to talk more in between. I've met some of you already. I'd love to meet more of you. If I ask your name again, just bear with me. Um, but would love to talk more about this. And especially I want you to be talking about this with each other and talking about this with your families as well. Because this is uh, really intended to be a conversation. And we're all figuring this out together. As I said, I'm still working on these things and uh, want to work on them with you. Okay. So let's talk here. I'm going to do something real quick. Let's get this out of my notebook. So let's talk about screen addiction. And this is what we'll do in the next, now we're getting down to 20, 25 minutes or so. Okay. We first want to ask this question, are we addicted? Really, are we addicted to our devices? Then we're going to ask the question, so what? Is it a big deal that we're on our devices a lot? And then we'll end, hopefully, have some time to talk about a better way that we want to pursue. So uh, are we addicted to our devices? Uh, I mentioned Steve Jobs, and I could, I could show you some very similar quotes. In fact, in that same article that I mentioned, uh, the guy didn't just talk to Steve Jobs. He talks to other uh, executives of tech companies. Again, these are the people that have created and are selling the technology that we use every day. And many, many, many of these tech executives are saying the same things as Steve Jobs said about the way that they limit the use of technology for their kids. So just one uh, line here from these executives. It says they strictly limit their children's screen time. Uh, they often ban gadgets on school nights and allocate strict time limits on weekends. And the journalist says that, that seems strange because a lot of kids and a lot of parents seem to take the opposite approach of basically devices all the time and always have a screen in front of you. Okay? But this in particular, uh, one of these executives uh, of a robotics company talks about the dangers of these devices. And what the journalist says is the dangers he's referring to include harmful content like pornography, bullying, but he says perhaps worst of all, becoming addicted to their devices just like their parents. So I want to highlight this for a couple of reasons. One is because I'm, it's not just me up here saying, hey, we might be addicted to our devices. You know, it's not just a preacher saying that. It's not just Christians that are saying that. People of the world... Tech people are using the language of addiction to talk about what these devices are doing to us. But also, I like that quote, and I want to highlight it for you in particular to show you, this is not a teen problem, okay? This is not a young people problem, okay? Uh, in the story, he's saying, no, the parents are addicted, and we want to help the kids not become like their parents, okay? I want to be clear on that, because while this is a, a hugely important topic for everybody, and I'm really glad we're spending the time together with you all talking about this today, um, th 
this is not because, well, this is only a problem for teens and young people. Uh, in fact, it may be the opposite. It may be that older people are really sucked into this worse, uh, and people like Steve Jobs, people like Chris Anderson, people like me are trying to help people like you grow up in a different way and avoid the, the, the problems that we see. But the problem in particular is being addicted, is being addicted. Now that may seem like strong language. It seems like strong language to me too. And so let's talk a little bit about whether it's really accurate or fair to say that we are addicted. Um, so I'm not a, I'm not a science person. Um, maybe some of you are. Um, maybe you'll go on to study neuroscience in college. But I'll try to give you a basic explanation and then read one more quote from another article. But there is a, a chemical that's released in your brain that's called dopamine. Okay, dopamine. You may have heard that word before. And again, not an expert, and there's more to it than this. But essentially, dopamine is released in your brain when you do something or experience something that is rewarding, that makes you feel good. Okay, that dopamine is released. And it's a way to uh, signal to your brain the next time that that thing is around to say, you want that because it makes you feel good. Okay, so dopamine, it releases in your brain when you do something rewarding. When a behavior is really easy, like reaching into a bag of potato chips, okay, that becomes dangerous because our brains and our bodies default to what is easiest. So if I can do something that's really easy and yet gives me that release of dopamine, then I start, there's a danger there of that becoming an addictive behavior because well, it's just so easy to reach out and grab it and, and every time I get a dopamine hit. Now the way it works uh, is that you always need more and more, right? Uh, this is like the lay, on the, it used to sound the bag, bag of Lay's Lay's potato chips, bet you can't eat just one, okay? Man, that's true. I've never just eaten one Lay's potato chip out of a bag, you know? The brain is saying, no, you want more of that. And so you keep going back to it and that dopamine is released. But there's something uh, weird and powerful that happens when uh, the result or the reward is random, okay? So there's actually a study they did on rats, I believe, where there would be a buzzer. And when the rat hit the buzzer, food would come out. So what do you think the rat would start doing? They'd hit the buzzer, okay? Um, but when, it was, when, when the food was released every time, the rats actually at some point stopped hitting the buzzer, okay? And it, it was expected. They knew when I hit the buzzer, food will come out. They changed it to where the food was released at random. So not every time you hit the buzzer, the rats hit the buzzer, okay? uh, but randomly. And guess what happened then? The rats were all over the buzzer, right? Because they were just clicking it, waiting for that random reward to come, right? And there's actually something similar that happens with the human brain. And maybe the best example of this is in slot machines, okay? Uh, there are a lot of similarities between gambling addiction and addiction to devices. Uh, how easy is it to do this, to pull a slot machine? Okay. Uh, someone have experience here? Someone, no, I'm just, that was, that was a setup. You know. How do you know it's easy? Yeah, yeah. Easy to do, right? Pull a slot machine. And again, I'm, I'm going to imagine that there's not a lot of personal experience here, but you know the way a slot machine works is, do you get a reward every time? No, you don't. Okay. Uh, the re reward may come every so often, uh, and it comes in like, you know, a jackpot maybe, or in a larger reward, but it's random. 
So this article says, uh, if we perceive a reward to be delivered at random, if checking for the reward comes at little cost, we end up checking habitually, like keep, to, you know, keep pulling that lever, right? Um, and he says, if you pay attention, you might find yourself checking your phone at the slightest feeling of boredom, purely out of habit. And the next line is the, is the scary one. He says, programmers work very hard behind the scenes to keep you doing exactly that. So the people making your apps, the people making your phones, particularly the apps, they know the way that your brain works, and so they are, they are using that against you and against me as well. Right? So I'll, I'll use a couple uh, analogies, the way that, that they've done this compared to gambling, for instance. Okay? Um, like that slot machine, you know, it's easy to pull the lever. How easy is it to take out your phone and check? Take out your phone and check. Open Instagram and check. Okay? It's the easiest thing in the world. They've made it super easy to do that. Right? Um, it, it came out several years ago um, because more and more people that used to work at places like Facebook, Instagram, etc., cetera, uh, are coming out and saying, yeah, this is how we've designed these apps. Uh, it came out a few years ago that Instagram actually um, holds back your notifications, like your likes. Okay? It doesn't show them to you right when your friend hits like. It, it doesn't show you right away. It kind of collects your likes, and then it will feed them to you all in one burst. So... You keep checking, and then at some point you check, and it's like jackpot, right? Ten likes, right? And you see how that feeds that dopamine feedback loop, um, and it's, it's, it's pulling you tighter and tighter in, again, similar to the way that someone might be addicted to gambling. Okay, so is it fair to say that we are addicted? I'm going to say it, it is that it's appropriate to say that we are, uh, many of us, uh, again, we want to be honest about this, uh, I think it's fair to say that many of us are addicted. Smartphones, uh, video games, right? Um, these devices that we just constantly feel this tug to go back and it's hard to pull ourselves away, hard to put it down, hard to walk past the phone without checking, okay? Um, I think based on the science, it is fair to say that we are addicted. Now, in terms of the level of addiction and what's happening in your brain, it is not anywhere close to what happens on addictive drugs, but it's still the same mechanism. But I want to say something else about this before we move on, which is that uh, I'm not just here to say that it's the fault of Instagram or it's you know, Snapchat's fault, right? That they're the ones that are doing this to, to us, to me. Um, I think it's fair to say it's our fault as well. Um, I would recommend reading this book. I'm going to recommend it again for the whole group on tomorrow. But uh, this is a very helpful book, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. And uh, it talks about a lot of the things that we're talking about this weekend. But at one point, basically, he says, okay, yeah, we're addicted to our devices. But he says, it's basically our fault. I mean, we're, we're as much to blame in this as the people that are creating our apps. And he gives three things that we're doing when we, we always want to be distracted. We always want to have our phone out. We always want to be on the video game. Okay? Um, we always want to be on the internet. We always want to be listening to music. He says three reasons why we do that. One, we want to avoid work. Anybody been there? You have a homework assignment looming over you. It's due tomorrow. But the only thing you and your brain want to do is what? Well, it depends on who you are. Right? 
scroll Instagram, play your video game, okay? We want to avoid doing work, okay? Because no one likes work. Uh, I'm sure you've done this one too. Avoid people. How many of you have used a device to avoid talking to the people that you're around, okay? Um, we, we don't always like interacting with people, okay? Um, and so we avoid them by getting in our, our, our screen, getting our devices. But this third one to me is maybe most interesting and most um, convicting. I think what he says, and I think it's true, we actually want to avoid ourselves as well. Um, one of the things that happens in a world where there's so many devices, there's so many things that are, that are right in front of us uh, that we can be watching and looking at and listening to, is that we don't stop anymore. There's no time that we just have to sit alone with myself and to think. Right? I don't do that very much. Maybe you do. Maybe you spend you know, hours every day just sitting alone with your thoughts and thinking about life. But that's kind of an uncomfortable thing to do, too, right? Try it later today when you get home, right? Just sit alone in a chair doing nothing. I bet after like 20 seconds, you're going to be like twitching and, you know, uh, fidgeting, okay? Look at, you know. When we sit alone, when we just think, uh, that can be a little bit scary because we start thinking about the difficulties of life, we start thinking about our own insecurities, the things that we're afraid of, the things that we're nervous about. We don't like that. We don't like just letting our thoughts kind of sink in. And so we're always trying to have something to do, something to look at, something to listen to, because we're avoiding sitting alone with ourselves and with our thoughts and being quiet and being still. So are we addicted? I think that we are, and it's not just their fault, it's our fault as well. So what's the big deal about this? Um, why does it matter? Uh, has anybody thought the phrase, okay, boomer, has that gone through anybody's head in the last few minutes? Okay, some old guy up here just kind of said, get off my lawn, you know, smartphones are bad, all this stuff. Uh, maybe you feel that way. Maybe you're asking yourself, well, what's the big deal? Why does it matter if we use our devices a lot? Uh, a few things I'll, I'll say about that. One is that, uh, going back to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, okay, all things are lawful, but I will not be mastered by anything. The Christian should not be addicted to anything. Even if it's something that seems harmless, Paul's point is that when you're a Christian, you need to have self-control. We need to be in control of our life and of our environment and not allow anything, whether it's food or gambling or drugs or technology, to be in control of us. Okay, um, and there's other Bible passages that talk about the same sort of thing. Okay, Christians need to have self-control. There shouldn't be anything that has control over us. But the, but to build on that, what happens when we are um, controlled or mastered by something like our devices is that there's always something else that's getting neglected. Right. So think about that homework example. Okay. I still remember homework, this seems crazy to you, I still remember essays and homework assignments in high school and in college that I know, thinking back, I could have done way better on that, but I was spending too much time doing X, Y, Z, okay? Uh, there's always something that suffers. There's real life <laughs> that we ignore because we're sucked into what it is we're doing on our device. And um, in case you didn't know, the older you get, there's like more important things in life than homework and school assignments. There's work responsibilities and family responsibilities, and there's like 
real life that you have to live and to take care of and to handle. And if we're uh, kind of overwhelmed by all of our devices and, and can't pull ourselves away, then we're going to neglect things that are, that are important that we need to be uh, focusing on. So let's adopt Paul's motto. Okay? This is one thing I want you to take from this lesson. Leave here today thinking, I will not be mastered. I am not going to allow myself to be controlled by an app or by a device or by a screen. Okay? Um, prove it to yourself. And I don't know if you're like me. I'm a little bit competitive, so maybe some competitive motivation helps you. Maybe you just leave here today being like, you know what? I'm going to be different. I'm not going to be like all these jokers out there that are just walking around on their, on their devices and always glued to a screen and always on the game. I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to prove it to myself that I'm, I can have the self-control. I can, I can live in a better way. Well, there's one more thing I want to say about our addiction. Um, and it comes from a different article uh, from several years ago. This was before, really, smartphones were as common as they are. It's just about being on the Internet all the time. This is what this author said, and I want you to notice what he says about himself and the effect that technology and the Internet has had on his brain and the way that he thinks. Notice what he says here. He says, immersing myself in a book or in a lengthy article used to be easy. My mind would get caught up in the narrative or turns of the argument. I would spend hours strolling through long stretches of prose, just sit there with a book and just read and read and read. He says, that's rarely the case anymore. Now my concentration often starts to drift after two or three pages. I get fidgety. I lose the thread. I begin looking for something else to do. I feel as if I'm always dragging my wayward mind back to the text. The deep reading that used to come naturally has become a struggle, he says. Now I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, and I'm not saying this is true of you. I'm just saying this is true of me. This first part here, immersing myself in a book, used to be easy. That's never been true of me. I don't know if that, it may, I, I got a, a nice laugh up here. Maybe you got someone that's like me. I'm glad I at least have company. That's okay. There's at least two of us. Um, I've never found it easy to just sit and read for a long stretch of time. Maybe you have. I know people are different. People are wired differently or have different interests. Um, but I wonder something. Because the point of this article is that he's saying he used to be that way. But once he started using the internet all the time, that changed. And he lost the ability to just sit and read for long stretches of time, okay? Um, and so what I've wondered about myself is that, well, maybe I've just always lived in a world where there's a distraction, where there's the internet, where things are, you know, moving quickly. All the apps that we use, all the websites that we visit, the way they work is like a short snippet here, a short snippet there, and our brains just learn to think in blurbs and in, you know, a few seconds here, a few seconds there. And we actually lose the ability to sit and to think, but to read and to focus on one thing for a long period of time. So when I read this article, I thought, this may be my problem. <laughs> Maybe the internet and constant device use has contributed to this for me. But again, maybe you're asking, well, why does it matter? This is just some guy. This is not a religious person. He's just talking about the way that his brain thinks differently because of the internet. Why does it matter? Well, maybe you've connected the dots already. But this is why it's the matter. As Christians, our lives depend on reading. As Christians, our lives depend on reading. It is, after all, a book that we've been given. 
That is, as we said, our source of wisdom, our source of instruction, okay? our word from God to us. Maybe we think it would, have been, it would have been nice if God would have just revealed his wisdom to us in a bunch of TikTok videos. Okay? I'm going to suggest it would not have been as effective. Okay? Um, I don't know what Paul would have done with all those TikTok videos. Yeah. Uh, we got a book, a book with words, and a book that requires us to read and to think about it. But if, like Mr. Carr here, like myself, we have lost the ability or don't have the ability to sit and to think and to read, then that's a problem. Okay? And we're going to struggle doing some things that are important and necessary for us to do as Christians. So what's the better way here? Let's do a few minutes on this. We need to come back to it. We can. But the better way, really, is from Psalm 1. You can turn over there. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm going to read the whole thing here. Psalm 1's pretty familiar. And we're going to come back to it again tomorrow as well. But I want you just to listen and to look at the language of Psalm 1 and to imagine living a life the way that Psalm 1 describes it. Imagine being this person and think about what that would look like for me to be this person, to live this life. Psalm 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He, the person who meditates on the word of God day and night, he will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor, sit, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Look at this psalm, and note, first notice this. Imagine living the life that Psalm 1 is describing. Being a tree planted by streams of water, being stable, being secure, being rooted, being strong, and being fruitful. This is a picture of a tree that grows and becomes then a blessing to other people, bears fruit for other people, provides shade for other people. I would love, and all of us would say, we want to live this kind of life, a life of peace and fullness and joy how do you do it? Well, the two things he says are to leave the path of the wicked and to meditate on God's word. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to stop here. I did not plan on doing this, but I'm looking at the clock. We're getting closer and closer to 11, and a break might be nice. So uh, I'll talk. We'll, we'll get on the same page in terms of presentations here in a second. But let's, uh, let's leave it here and just say this, that these are the two things that we're going to need to do as Christians. 
On one hand, we're going to need to break ourselves away from the way that the world lives. The way that the world uses technology, the way that everybody uh, seemingly around us is addicted to their devices, can't pull themselves away, always has to have something in their hands or a screen in front of their face. We want to get out of that. We want to leave the path of the wicked, okay? separate ourselves from what is the norm in our world, in our society, and we want to meditate on God's Word. We want to be delighting in reading and thinking about the Word of God and the Bible. And it's in doing this that we're going to be able to live that kind of life that is full and fruitful and peaceful and joyful. Uh, and that's where we're going. And there is hope. Uh, and that's one of the things that we'll say as we continue. Uh, but we'll stop there for now um, with that basic point about leaving the path of the wicked and meditating on God's word. That's the path to living a fruitful life. So let's real quickly, we'll say a prayer and then we'll have about 10 minutes to break and then reconvene at 11 o'clock uh, to keep going. Let's pray together. God, our Father, I thank you for each and every person here today in this room and for the commitment to walking with you and walking in humility and wisdom. Uh, we walk a tough road um, in this world of sin and of brokenness and the challenges that we face. Uh, but you know that because you sent your son to walk this road before us. And it's because of him that we have hope of not only being saved out of our sins, but of living uh, a life of joy and blessedness and peace. And so we ask you for wisdom and we ask you for courage as we seek to live that life. Uh, and as we learn in particular, or tried to learn in particular today, how to navigate in a world so full of technology and media. Bless us in this effort and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.